We have been studying the seven churches as it relates, not necessarily in prophecy, but how it relates to churches and problems and things that we face today. Um, it is interesting to note that as we go through each of these churches, it seems as if there's nothing new under the sun. That problems that we seem to think today are new and um, are different. We get to reading, we get to studying, and we say, oh, well, somebody else has been there, done that. And today, when we talk about the church here at Thyatira, that this is a small church, but the passage is the longest letter to the church. And it kind of seems to repeat what we did with the last church. It seems that as we repeat these messages over and over, God is trying to get a point through to us. And it seems that only by repeating this over and over, that God says, look, I'm trying to tell you something. So technically, I suppose I don't even have to preach today. But before you get too excited, we are going to do some repetition and talking about influences on the church. Because from God's perspective, from his ideas, he has one message that he wants to tell us. And every page, every chapter, every verse in the Bible is built about driving that home. He's been telling this same message over and over in hopes that if we are exposed to it often and long enough, that we will finally get it, that we will take it into our hearts, and that it will become a part of us. So the message might be a bit repetitive, but as we study this church this morning, I think we'll see more of what God is trying to get across to us. Yes, it's the longest letter but like all the other letters, it has one main point. But before we get to that main point, I want to go back and learn a few things along the way of what this letter is trying to say. Because so much of what we read about in Revelation is symbolism. Let's learn and understand a bit more of that symbolism. Here we see a church a church that is recognized for its active ministries, a church that is recognized for its charity, its faithful service, and its patience. This is a church that was getting things done, and we are told instead of slowing down, it in fact was picking up speed and going on and on. It kept its youthful zeal and increased its passion for service. Now, in a word, we should talk about what kind of service we're talking about. It should be mentioned that the letter is not talking about the programs the church is running, but it's talking about the ministry. So many times you look at all the programs a church has, 
They have so many. We have curling for Christ on Sunday, bowling for blessings on Monday, jogging for Jesus on Tuesday, chit-chat and Bible trivia on Wednesday, home runs for heaven on Thursday, and golf for glory on Friday. But I want to note, God isn't looking for the programs in the church. He's looking for the ministry in the church. It seems like a subtle difference, but let's look at what we're talking about here. In the Greek, we see the word works, ergon, which means labors, and the Greek word for service, diakona, which means ministry. So what God is commending in this church is not just hard work and good programs, but he is commending the labors of ministry. Jesus is not impressed with programs. He's not impressed with activity. Jesus is impressed with ministry. We get ministry by Jesus coming into our hearts and flowing out. We get programs when we do it for our own good. God loves ministry and all those devoted to it, but that doesn't mean that things always run smoothly. As we saw in the previous church, Pergamos, they were doing good works also, but we saw that soon other influences came in. The devil has many ways. As they say, he has the index card list of how to attack any church. And so this is a church that has many ministries and they were doing great and wonderful works, but he found a way to get in there and get them turned around. With the church at Thyatira, however, we are introduced to another tactic the enemy uses to upset the effectiveness of God's church. Notice what it says here in verse 20. You are doing good works, but... And there's always that powerful but in so many of these churches that we've been talking about. There's someone in this picture that shouldn't be there. And God calls this person, that woman Jezebel, who is leading the people of God astray. We need to understand that Jezebel is not just active in the Old Testament, but it's active today. And before we go too far, be careful that you put this connotation on women only. Because when we talk about Jezebel, it's prophetic in nature. This person, of course, their name was not Jezebel. But we don't know if that was a woman or a man. And so when we look at this example, look at what it means when we talk about Jezebel. Let's go back and study Jezebel from the earlier Old Testament. When we look at 1 Kings chapter 16, here we begin the story of Ahab, who became Israel after his father Omri died. We are told that he only did evil in the sight of the Lord. After this text, there's very little about Ahab going forward. There's someone else that's in there. And that we are told in verse 31, he married Jezebel, a daughter of from a foreign land and brought with that not only her but many things to the land of Israel. We are told that she herself thought her to be a prophetess and that she was leading the people. 
a very strong influence on the church of Israel there, bringing in 450 prophets, killing off the prophets of Israel. And it's told here that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that were before him. We read of that situation where he said, I like that land that's next to mine. It's owned by a man named Naboth. And he got so angry that he couldn't get that land that he wouldn't eat. And we find that Naboth was convicted in a false court and sentenced and even put to death because they said he cursed God. Yet we see this as intrigue of that Jezebel who was saying, yes, this is how we can accuse him. This is how we can get rid of him. But she was acting under false pretenses and carried out a deceptive plan. It is here we have hit upon this main character trait of Jezebel that God wants us to warn against. The main character trait of Jezebel is that they assume authority that is not rightfully theirs. Within our own church, this example then extended forward. We see people who assume authority that has not been given to them. And they say, I have found this new light. I have found this new area in, look, I can show it to you. I can make you believe. And that is the warning being presented here in Revelation. We find out that Ahab, or quote, the church did little of itself, but he let Jezebel have all the power. It was Jezebel who brought in the false prophets. It was Jezebel who had the prophets of God killed. It was Jezebel who assumed the authority of the king of Israel so that she could do her evil work. When Jezebel came into the scene, there was actually a transfer of authority to one who had no right to have it. It was under these circumstances that the nation of Israel was led astray. Today we have Jezebels in the church of God. They can be male, they can be female. But they are men and women who have been raised up by themselves as authority. They are giving challenges to the leadership in the church on every level, and they're tearing us apart. In the Bible, we see that there have been five levels of authority established by God. There is civil government. There is the authority of the husband over the wife and family. There is the authority of parents over children. And finally, there is the authority of the leadership of the church. We won't go into each of these authorities, but let's look at how a person in authority can say, I have the power, I have the knowledge, listen to me and I can teach you. And the problem is we as church members have not studied and so therefore we are easily led astray by false doctrines because we are led by those people and we follow them because they are so charismatic. They are so energetic and they, we want to follow them because we see this 
this wonderful power being manifest. We see this church at Thyatira being led by this, quote, Jezebel. Perhaps they were a leader in the community. Perhaps they were who knows many things, but they are being led by this person under false pretenses and led astray from the true works that they wanted them to be. First, we must notice that authority is established by God. And we read in Romans 13, verse 1, Let every person be subject to higher authorities, for there is no authority but God, and earthly authorities are established by Him. I know we hear a lot of talk from Christians who say, I don't have to listen to anyone but God. And usually that's followed by, here's where the church is wrong. They love to quote that passage in Acts where it says, we ought to obey God rather than man. And of course, that's true. It's true that where any man-made law or command goes in direct contradiction to the commandment of God, we've got to go through God's command. But that does not give us license to disregard any earthly authority altogether, just because we think we don't have to listen to them, but only to God. On the second point, if you resist earthly authority, it's the same as resisting God himself. God established all of earthly authority for the order of society, both within and without the church. And to resist the, those in authority is to bring condemnation upon yourself. God takes authority very seriously, and to refuse to submit is grounds to put yourself in very dangerous area. On point number three, a word to those who are in authority. God does not say, I have put you in authority, now do whatever you want. But all people who are put in authority, especially those in highest authority, are given an accountability. And this is where we always seem to forget that. We say, I am the boss, you must follow me. But we forget that just as important, God has placed on everyone a warning. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Look that up today. But it is a warning given to all in authority, all masters, to be careful in their treatment of others, to realize they are given authority under Christ and they are held accountable and that someday there will be a reckoning. And this brings us to our last point, the earthly authority structures, in particular those in the church. What Jesus is telling his followers here is that even corrupt authority must be obeyed. We find this in Matthew 23, verses 1 to 3, where he's talking about, at that time, who were the church leaders, the Sanhedrin. It's interesting that he says, you still must give them the recognition of the authority, even though they are corrupt. So many times we say, well, I don't have to follow them because, look, they are bad people. Or so many times we say, I don't have to give offerings because look how bad those people are and how they use it. My boss is a jerk. I don't need to listen to him. Oh, yes, you do. God has put him there for whatever reason, and that's God's reason 
And to rebel against his authority is to rebel against God himself. That's hard words sometimes for us to take on. Because we see people in authority and we say, I don't have to follow them. God is only my boss. But here we see this told time and time again. We see that to rebel against the authority is to rebel against God. We have the example of David. He was already anointed by God to be the leader, right? But what do we see? Did he ever usurp, usurp Saul's authority? He did not. And in fact, he berated his men for not recognizing Saul as their king. We may feel that leadership is corrupt or that their characters are less than spotless. But it is still our obligation under God to respect their position and submit ourselves to their leadership. We now go back to this letter to this church at Thyatira. We see here there was a rebellion in the camp. There was a fraction of the body of Christ trying to overthrow, overthrow the established leadership in the church. They were making it their chief aims to take matters into their own hands and to do their own work, not the work of God. To this church was given a stern warning. And we read about it in chapter 2, verse 20. The warning is given that there is a need for repentance on the part of the rebellious ones. They themselves didn't think they needed rebellion. They themselves think that, well, look, I can run this. I can make this better. There is a need for those who have resisted authority set over them to recognize their rebellion and to turn away from their defiance to those whom God has ordained as leaders and in humility before God. Submit once again to those whom he has called for his purposes. To continue the act of defiance of God's authorities, whether in the home, workplace, government, or church, is to make an alliance with the arch-rebel, even Lucifer himself. For it was he who tried to overthrow God and his authority in heaven. It was he who tempted Adam and Eve to rebel against God's dominion and to make gods of themselves. And it is he today who is working in our church. It is he who is creating rebellion against authority in the hearts of men and women. In particular, he wants this rebellion in the hearts of men and women of God. Because he realizes if, if he does not make this rebellion, we will grow stronger and stronger in God. And he will not be able to to work his deceit within us. I thank God today there is a better way. I thank him for his mercy. He has not left us in despair, but he has offered us the solution. Read again tonight or this afternoon, Revelation 2, verse 25, where we must hold fast that truth. We must study that truth. Hold fast with both hands, do not let go. We do not want to lose what we have. If this church is to be victorious over the Jezebels that rise up and understand they will rise up continually, 
We must hold fast to what we have. We must hold fast to the true head of the church, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the scripture tells us that this can't be half-hearted holding on. We can't just play at church and hope to remain pure and undivided. We must hold on with all our might. If you remember at the beginning, the one thing that the scriptures is all about, turning back again and again, we must hold on to Jesus. That is what every verse, chapter, and idea in the Bible is all about. The reason we fall, the reason we rebel is because we forget to hold on to Jesus with every ounce of strength we have. We loosen our hold and we get carried away. Leaders loosen their hold on Jesus and they become corrupt. Those under authority loosen their hold on Jesus and they begin to take matters into their own hands. If there ever was an answer to the condition we're in, it's this, hold on to Jesus. It is that two by four that the Bible keeps hitting us donkeys over the head. It is that stick that's pounding into us. Hold on fast to Jesus. That's all that matters. Hold on to Jesus. It's the only thing God wants us to do. And make it will make a difference in the world. To those in the congregation this morning who have been rebelling, I ask you, return. To those who are leadership who have been turned away and think it's their own power, I ask you to return to Jesus. I call you back to Jesus, to be under his authority, his guidance, and to follow the repentance he has asked of us. The call of God is for us to go back to Jesus, to learn what it means to be in authority under him. Let us repent of any corruption. Repent not for the the exercising of the authority entrusted to us, but to submit totally and completely to Jesus in his justice and his mercy. Whatever condition you find yourself in this morning, the cure to your condition is offered to you just now, the only cure that will work. God has been trying to make us realize this for a very long time. It isn't time today, isn't it time today, to give your heart fully and completely to Jesus, to take him and only him as our highest authority. If you're there today, even it's only beginning to sink in and you want to surrender to Jesus, this is the moment. Seize it. It is your opportunity. Won't you say, Jesus, I surrender. Be my Lord. Live out your life within me.